This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, The Hartford, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and I want to thank you for joining us again today. Well, we're coming to you this year from the Ringler Associates 2012 annual meeting in beautiful Newport Beach, California. And joining me as my co-host today is my Ringler colleague and friend, Cindy Shanley, from Ringler's Louisville office. Cindy also manages our Southern Indiana operation. She has over 30 years of diverse experience in claims, insurance management, and structured settlements. Uh, She's been all over the world. Welcome, Cindy. Hey, Larry. It's been great to have you here. And I'm especially pleased to introduce our special guest, Tony Coelho the past chair and member of the board of the American Association of People with Disabilities and the interim president and CEO of the Epilepsy Foundation. Tony is also a former U.S. congressman from California who authored the Americans with Disabilities Act, and he's dedicated his life to helping people living with disabilities uh, all over the world. And uh, also, uh, Tony, you're also a a returning guest here to Ringler Radio. So I I I want to thank you for that and thank you for coming and uh, being with us today. Well, Tony, let's start uh, by talking uh, about and taking another look at the AAP's mission, AAPD's mission for 2012. What exactly do you guys have in mind this year? Well, Larry, we're uh, still very involved, of course, in making a difference in the life of uh, people with disabilities. I mean, that's our, our whole concern. The enforcement of uh, disability laws, the Justice Department is... Uh, uh, probably the most active of uh, any Justice Department uh, in the history of our, our country. I mean, it's really been great. They've enforced the ADA, uh, and so that's in, in all levels, uh, against states and cities and and uh, uh, corporations and individuals and so on. So finally, the ADA is being enforced like we've never seen before, which is great. Uh, it's not uh, partisan. It's not against any particular group. It's just an actual enforcement of the ADA, and and we've never seen that before. So we're very aggressive in trying to make that happen. Uh, we also are very involved in and uh, when we when we pass the ADA, uh, we public basically said that uh, public transportation. Uh, had basically 20 years because of the costs involved and so forth, and now we're focused on taxi cabs. So we did we did trains, we did airplanes, we did a lot of things, but now we're focused on taxi cabs. In New York City, there's been a whole effort of of the contracts with the taxi cab uh, companies with the the taxi cab authorities is now up, and so there's a whole effort to try to get taxi cabs accessible for people with disabilities. We're in the middle of that effort and and have some ups and downs, but we're trying to get that done. We're in the middle of it aggressively, and we have uh, members of the House and the Senate helping us and so on. That's got to be an interesting fight. I, I know they're trying to uh, really revamp their whole fleet. Right. With, uh, they're going out to bid and all, and 
So you're right in the middle of all that. Right in the middle of all that. And we have a Turkish company that has a, a car that is very accessible. Uh, all the jobs in, in building these cars would be made in the United States. And then there are two other companies that are, are very good. All three companies would be ideal. Uh, so what we're trying to do is to uh, get that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philadelphia just announced, this uh, yesterday announced that uh, they are going to require that 300 of their taxi cabs be accessible by the end of 2012. December 2012, 300 of their taxi cabs have to be accessible, and that all their taxi cabs have to be accessible by January 1st of 2016. So with New York moving in this direction, Philadelphia moving, you're going to start to see cities all across the country starting to do that. And that, for us, is a huge breakthrough. It's just starting to happen, and it's like the curb cuts. At first, the curb cuts were controversial, but now it's commonplace people yeah. don't pay attention they just use the curb cuts and and if and you, even buses you notice how buses yeah, uh you they know dip down dip to, down to, yeah. and so forth so it, it accommodations that really help those of us with disabilities are now used by uh, all citizens and they become just regular commonplace and so those are things that the ada was meant to do was to provide accessibility but make them commonplace for everybody so this last 30 years since the, uh, since the act, since you kind of wrote the act and it's been established, um, we, you've talked a few th- about a few things that have occurred recently, but how's life changed for members? How's life changed over the last 30 years? For those of us with disabilities? Mm-hmm. Um, first off is that if you, if you talk to young people, Cindy, they don't realize that there wasn't an ADA. Uh, they think that... For instance, uh, curb cuts and so forth were always there. Um, and mm-hmm. for instance, uh, uh, now uh, with the health care bill that was just adopted, uh, you can't deny uh, people with pre-existing conditions uh, insurance. Uh, that's a huge breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, uh, people like me with epilepsy, uh, we were denied insurance. Uh, now that can't happen anymore. So that all these things that are taking place are having a huge impact. For instance, when I uh, found out I had epilepsy, the word epilepsy was on all job applications. That yeah. no longer can be the case. You can't have that word on a job application. But most young people today, they don't appreciate that. They, of course, that they think that's in the old ages. That was only a few years ago, you know, really. And so uh, things have dramatically changed. Attitudinally, things have changed. Today, I mean, when I was uh, in my 20s, uh, the stigma of saying you had epilepsy was a big one. Um, today, I mean, I, I've always openly said I had epilepsy, but today a lot of young people talk about having epilepsy and so forth. Mm-hmm. There's still a little bit of a stigma, but you can talk about it. You can hear about it on TV, and you can people with in sports talk about having seizures and so forth. So things have changed, and so on. And it's and it's because the law has changed, but it's also because attitudes have changed. And the big goal for us is to change public attitude, public awareness, public acceptance. You know, you know, Tony. You say that the young people now look at curb cuts, for example, and don't even realize that yeah. there was such a fight that yeah. had to take place. Uh, what what looks so obvious to us all now, like bathrooms and accessibility right. and things like that, those weren't easy fights back when no. you were starting and, and, and introduced and, and wrote this legislation. Tell us a little bit about that 
that effort. It's it's that slugging through the the, the mire and the and the and the minefields that finally got us here. But as you said, now it seems so commonplace. Tell us about the fight you had. Well, one of the things, for instance, uh, uh, United States Senate, we had to organize an effort around the steps of the Capitol. Uh, with uh, wheelchairs, we circled the uh, Capitol steps with wheelchairs all around it and forced the senators wow. to walk over the wheelchairs in order to get to vote. <laughs> they were furious with us. But what we wanted to show them is that they, we live this every day. We live with our disability when we get up in the morning, when we go to bed at night. We're there every day. This isn't a little thing for us. This is our life. This is what we do. And there was a documentary just uh, uh, issued by PBS that talked about the fight that we did in in the state courts. Uh, for us to have access to a court, we had to crawl up the steps to have access to a court. Um, and and now the courts have to provide us access. They have to either have an elevator, or have a ramp, or do something else. Uh, and so th- all these things have changed. But we had to demonstrate. Yeah. We had to really force ourselves on the public body, in effect. And so when and today when we talk about we're willing to demonstrate, we always have been willing to demonstrate. We're willing to educate, quote-unquote, people as to what we go through on a daily basis in order to become part of society. You know, we're going to talk about that a little later, too, uh, your, your ability to really galvanize and demonstrate. But, but let me tell you a quick, funny little story. I was walking down the street in a, in a city going to a business meeting, and two of the fellows I was with had these rolling suitcases, rolling right, briefcases. Right. And we come to the, to the curb, and, of course, they look for the, the curb, curb cut. cut, and they go down. And one of the guys said to me, isn't this great? That when once these rolling suitcases came out, that they did these curve cuts for us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he, he totally missed the point as Absolutely. to why they were and how they and were originally done. And that's good, done. though. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. I, I see. I, I, I am very much into our accommodations being accessible uh, things for the general public. For example, uh, for public telephones, you'll see volume controls. That's not for the general public to hear better. That's for people who are hearing impaired to be able to hear the telephone conversations. You know, the older I get, the more I use that. Absolutely, too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, another hot topic that the APD has been involved in is healthcare, which we all know is um, kind of a hot topic for all of us. Um, your organization, along with 13 other organizations, have filed an amicus brief with the U.S. Supreme Court defending the fact that health form reform should um, Congress is claiming that it's that it's unconstitutional right. and tell me about your group's efforts to you know make affordable health care available to all yeah we we basically take the position that uh, the Congress has the right uh, did have the right to to go ahead and adopt this. For for instance, there is no group in America that benefits more by the Health Care Act uh, than uh, those of us with disabilities. For example, uh, all the pre-existing conditions uh, now are eliminated. We, we with pre-existing conditions, uh, did not automatically excluded from uh, participating. Uh, if if you if your family, Cindy, uh, had a child that uh, was born with a, a disability, the insurance company could automatically eliminate uh, your health care. 
uh, insurance. Um, I, I, after all the years that you pay into health care insurance, and then all of a sudden God provides you with a child that's disabled, and all of a sudden the insurance company said, we're not going to cover you anymore. I thought that was insurance. I thought right. that's why you pay insurance. Uh, and so then you're eliminated. The health care bill says you can't do that. Um, and, and I happen to think that's right. But there's a lot of other provisions in the health care bill that recognize those of us with disabilities as being regular people that should be taken care of along with everybody else. So you shouldn't be discriminated against. Now, there's a lot of other provisions, uh, the elderly benefit and so forth. And and I think the health care bill uh, is basically trying to provide a fair a playing field, a level playing field for for everybody, and and people will say that that it can't pay for itself. Uh, well, basically, it, the the numbers are already coming out that premiums are starting to go down and people coming in are starting to go up. Those numbers are supposed to increase as we go along. But I think the issue here for us and the reason we filed this amicus brief is that there are members of Congress who want to n- prevent this bill from working. Uh, before it has a chance to prove itself. And we're saying you have a right to go ahead and pass it, and hopefully uh, the courts will, uh, will, will rule that that's the case. Some of the federal courts have ruled that they do have the right. Some have ruled that they don't, and so it'll be decided by the Supreme Court by the end of this year. It'll be, it'll, in this term, they'll decide. But we, we take the view uh, that that is the case. Now, history will tell us that uh, there was this same attitude in regards to Social Security, in regards to Medicare. There were people who said Congress shouldn't be doing this. Well, those are the same people who just don't want any any involvement by the federal government in any type of health care. Um, I, I just have a different viewpoint. You know, it's and it's not just health care where you're uh very heavily involved. It's labor law as well. Yeah. Recently, President Obama and the Labor Department, they issued a, a proposed rule that would require federal contractors to set goals so that 7% of the workforce be individuals with disabilities. Tell us more about that and, and where did that 7% come from and is that is that in your view a good percentage or you're looking for more and and tell us about well, Larry, how it all came about that's a little complicated but yeah. let me explain it because this is something i've been involved in for 25 years mm-hmm. trying to get this done um and and really how it started was that uh the federal contractors act this is a part of the federal contractors act uh that 35 years ago uh because the federal government hires uh with federal through federal contractors, we give a federal contractor uh, uh, contracts that are worth millions of dollars. You know, airplanes, paper, right. pencils, water, whatever it is, everything that you supply to the federal government, we have basically. Uh, put requirements on these contractors, you know, so that they can't discriminate against people and all kinds of stuff. And so what we did with the Federal Contractors Act was say, you've got to employ women, you've got to employ people with color, and you've got to employ people with disabilities. Way back, 35 years ago. We we went ahead and enforced the law in regards to women and people of color. And, and you will have people will tell you that as a result of doing that, we made a huge difference in sure. regards to the workforce for women and people of color. And uh, a, lot of, uh, a couple of the women on the Supreme Court will tell you that's how, they, how it made a difference and so forth. So 
it has worked tremendously for those two classes of, of folks. The reason it never went into effect for people with disabilities is because they said there's no census numbers on people with disabilities, um, and there's no definition of what is a disability. So for 25 years, I've been working on what is the definition of disability? Uh, what is, can we get a census question on that so that we can start counting? So under previous administrations, I've been trying to get that done, and we've, we've worked on that. We've got the question on the census uh, questionnaire. We've got the definition of disability, and we've been ticking away at all this. So finally, in this administration, there's nobody can now say, we need this or we need that. So we finally have all this lined up, and we then pushed the administration, uh, and we had to push hard to get this administration to issue a a, uh, a notice in the Federal Register that this is what they want to do. That's all this is now, is a notice that this is what they want to do. I'm not happy with it. I'd like to see them do it, exactly. but they're just basically saying, and they they put in a goal as opposed to saying you've got to hire. So it's not, I'm not satisfied with that. It's only a goal of 7%. And I, I wish they hadn't said 7% either. Uh, so it's a, all kinds of compromise. But my view is at least it's a foot in the door. It finally says you have to, as a federal contractor, you got to comply with the law, which says women, people of color, and disabled. So it's a goal of 7%, and you have to justify what you're doing. So that's where we are. Super. Well, let's shift focus a little bit and talk about structured settlements for, um, for a minute. You've been a huge supporter of Wrangler Associates and for, um, and for structured settlements and over the years. Can you share with us an example of how structured settlements have benefited a person with disabilities? Well, as you know, uh, a structured settlement basically uh, provides an opportunity for a person with disability to have a settlement to get regular payments over an extended period of time. Yeah. Uh, and that's key to a person. Uh, uh, to have a settlement uh, agreed to by the court where there's a regular payment uh, and that person who can't provide for themselves is now going to get a check uh, on a monthly basis or whatever's worked out, uh, but on a monthly basis uh, to provide for their care uh, and so forth. Uh, that is critical to uh, a lot of these cases where uh, their parents or their loved ones or whatever can't provide, and and they are then taken care of um, as a result of an accident or a result or whatever it is. So it's a settlement uh, within the court system and so forth. And and uh, so for those of us with disabilities, this is a huge, huge procedural legal process that is extremely beneficial. Uh, to uh, those of us with disabilities who, who have a problem. So it is something that uh, fits automatically into uh, what AAPD is all about. It's something for me as an advocate uh, that I strongly believe in, and it needs to be protected, and I'm, I'll do anything I can to fight for it to make sure it sticks. Well, you know, that's, that's terrific. We, we certainly appreciate that. And I can remember stories, uh, having been in the business for a number of years, about from uh, certain lawyers who told me that some of their disabled clients and uh, people who are very severely injured who ended up taking cash instead of a structure had it dissipated. They were taken advantage of by uh, you know, relatives and friends. And the peace of mind from this regular guaranteed payment is what uh, really makes the lives of some of the disabled much, much better. Well, Larry, you know as well as I do, uh, those of us with disabilities uh, have wants and, 
and sure. uh, and and are convinced uh, to do things we shouldn't do, just like anybody else. Uh, you are convinced that you you need a new car every three years, uh, or you're convinced that you need something else. Uh, a structured settlement doesn't permit you to do that. Um, and so it is a discipline on a process for somebody who needs to have a regular payment system over uh, a, a period of, of your life where you need it. And so it's, it's, a, it's a discipline on the disabled individual. It's also a discipline on loved ones who would want to, who, who think they're helping you out exactly. when they're not. So it is an, a discipline for that individual with a disability from all points of view. It is, it is an absolute essential thing to have happen. Well, we certainly appreciate your support and the whole disability community for the Structure Settlement product. Well, let's take a quick break right now and be back in a minute with our special guest, Tony Coelho, and my great co-host, Cindy Shannon. We'll be right back. Ring the Radio is celebrating its seventh year right here on Legal Talk Network. Produced by broadcast professionals and hosted by Larry Cohen. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. You can listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to RinglerAssociates.com or LegalTalkNetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose from almost 200 topics. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to westlegaledcenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Think you might like to have us create your own podcast on legaltalknetwork.com? Go to the website and send us an email. Or just give us a call at 781-551-9960. It's the best move you'll make in legal marketing. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn too. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us again. Uh, my co-host today, Cindy Chanley from Ringler's Louisville office, and we're joined by Tony Coelho from the American Association of People with Disabilities, the AAPD, and of course. Uh, past board chair for the organization and currently very involved with the Epilepsy Foundation. Uh, Tony, you're an advocate. You've always been an advocate, a strong advocate for uh, the disabled. And they're a community that when they feel they've been wronged or they've been threatened, they have a passionate, organized way to voice their concerns. Speak to that. Speak to how the organization, when when things aren't going their way, can somehow galvanize uh, support and move people in a different direction? Well, Larry, um, uh, as individuals with disabilities, um, we have to uh, speak out uh, for our rights and our concerns uh, because if we don't, nothing's going to happen. And so when we feel um, that uh, ourselves, our uh, people in our community 
uh, have been wronged, uh, it is important for us to seek uh, justice uh, for ourselves or for our loved ones um, in our community. And so we have a history of uh, doing that uh, over and over again, uh, like any other community that's been wronged. I mean, we can go back uh, over time uh, uh, when uh, throughout history when that has happened, uh, uh, obviously to uh, the Jewish community, uh, to people of color, to the black community, uh, to women and so forth. But to the disability community, we're young to to this. But boy, are we active now to correct. Uh, uh, at one point, uh, uh, people were ashamed uh, to admit they had a loved one with a disability. Yes. Uh, to those of us with disabilities, uh, we weren't allowed to speak up, and and people wanted us to be be ashamed of our disability. We're not there anymore. Uh, we're very proud of who we are. And for me, I always say, thank God for my disability. I've become a stronger, better person because I have epilepsy. And so I speak out. I'm not afraid to speak out, and I'm very proud of my disability. And so as a result of that, um, I have become uh, a, a strong advocate, and I'm willing to take on uh, whoever it is that is, uh, in my view, doing a, an injustice for those of us uh, with disabilities. Um, I, I've said earlier that, uh, when I thought the Catholic Church uh, was wrong by saying that those of us with epilepsy could not be uh, priests and, and said that was comparable to being possessed by the devil. And I, and I tell people all the time, look, at, I'm as devout a Catholic as anybody could be today. I go to church regularly, and, and, I, and I'm a very devout Catholic. But I was willing to take on uh, the church and, and confront the Pope in that regard. The law has been changed. I don't take credit for it, but I did speak to the Pope about it. Uh, so I'm willing to speak out. I don't care who it is, and I do it. Um, I've done that within the Democratic Party as such, but we as, dis as disabled, we uh, have uh, have we circled the Senate, as I said earlier, and in wheelchairs and forced the senators to go around us, over us, and so forth. Even our best friends in the Senate were furious with us and told us we had to stop, and we said, "No, we're not going to stop until you vote for the ADA." Um, so we, when we see injustice, when we see something wrong, uh, we're willing to take extreme measures to correct that injustice. And we, we do that against companies. We do that against governments. We do that against individuals because we have to stand up. Uh, and to identify the injustice and to seek correction. And you know what? I think the American people stand with you on that. I mean, when, when they see the disabled uh, organizing to try to get legislation passed or get some wrong righted, uh, uh, one of the things I think you can count on is, is the American people behind you. Yeah. That, that's clear. And I think what you have to do is you have to, one of the reasons that we do it so openly and publicly is that you have to educate the American people yes. why you think there's an injustice and they will back you up. If you abuse that, the American people will walk away from you. Oh, no question. And so you got to be careful that you just don't willy nilly do it and just because you think you're powerful or whatever, you will lose your power very quickly if you're wrong, if you're if you yourself are abusing. So you got to be careful that you don't abuse the support that you have with the American people. But if you are right, the American people will come behind you 100 percent. And they have no always question. when we've done this. No question. Tell us a little bit about your work with the Epilepsy Foundation, uh, Tony. Uh, you know, I, the fact that you suffered from, from that affliction for so many years uh, obviously gave you a better, greater insight into it. But 
what 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 exactly is your organization doing now? Tell me about it. Um, I uh, started having seizures when I was sixteen, so I've uh, had 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 seizures and still have seizures, by the way, for over fifty years now. Um, and and the interesting thing about uh, epilepsy is you never know when you're going to have a seizure. So every morning I wake up wondering if I'm going to have a seizure that day and where it might be and and so on. Um, and uh, the the uncertainty of that and uh, what that means is is something you live with and you're constantly concerned about that. Um, but the the one thing that we uh, deal with in the Epilepsy Foundation is really the stigma. There's a huge stigma in regards to epilepsy, and that is the possession of and that people talk about all the time. And and we have to get around that because uh, uh, you know people talk about uh, uh, should they marry uh, because what does that mean in regards to their kids? What does that mean in regards to other things? And and it's all because of the stigma. And so we really fight hard to eliminate that. We also do a lot in regards to. Uh, convincing companies to spend money on research and and the government to spend money on research. Not too many years ago, the federal government wasn't spending money on research at all on on epilepsy, and we're getting the federal government more involved, and and the government is now more involved than it's ever been, and so forth. And we spend a lot of money with kids. Um, uh, my whole thing is that you know, for people my age, um, maybe there's not a lot you can do, but it's really important to get young people. We have. Uh, camps, uh, epilepsy camps. Uh, uh, I've helped start one in Northern California, which they call the Quello Camp, which is oh, great. Cool. Uh, but we have young people, uh, at, you know, age, uh, depending on what age they want, but it's, you know, like 12 to 18 or somewhere in the, that area that go to camp, a summer camp, for the first time in their lives. They are at a week or two weeks with other young people with epilepsy. They've never been around others with epilepsy. And then they realize there are other people like them with epilepsy, and they are with them for a week, and they're playing and doing things and so forth. Now we have doctors and nurses there and so forth in case they have a seizure and so on. But it, what we're trying to do is to get these young people with epilepsy to feel like they're not alone, that and they develop friendships and they develop relationships. And then we're educating members of Congress, and we do that uh, uh, a lot in trying to get members of Congress to understand uh, what epilepsy is and to take away some of the uh, discriminatory practices and so on. So there's a lot of those things that we do, and we're very aggressive uh, on this. And and we're making we're making changes. We're making a difference. And I've just convinced John McCain, uh, whose father had epilepsy, and and uh, uh, Steny Hoyer, whose uh, wife, uh, who's now dead, but whose wife had epilepsy, convinced them we're going to uh, honor them at a event in late uh, June, which will be my 70th birthday as well. Oh, but great. we're going to have a big gala, and and we're going to honor them for what they've done in regards to epilepsy. But it's an education process, and it's getting young people to believe in themselves, and then as they grow older, they can be more engaged and more involved. Terrific, terrific. Tony, what advice do you have for people living with disabilities right now? Um, what, how, how can you all help? I start off with this, Cindy. I, I love yourself. Um, I think it's so important. Uh, I tell young people all the time, go in front of a mirror and say, I love you. Um, because so many people 
are negative. Uh, so many people say you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do whatever. Some people bully, some people make fun. A, a friend of mine who I'd been tutoring for about nine years just committed suicide this past year. He's 19 years old. Um, and it's because he was being bullied uh, and was being uh, told he wasn't worth it and told by other people different things. It's so important for those of us with disabilities to believe we have a purpose, to believe that we can give, to believe that we can do things. Um, if you don't have a disability, there are things you can't do. Uh, if you don't have a disability, uh, not everything is available to you. So we're no different just because we have a disability. We're no different than anybody else. And and so uh, it is so important for those of us with disabilities to believe that we have a value just like anybody else. And so it's so important for us to love ourselves just like anybody else. And for young people in particular, I talk to them about, you know, there's something about you that you need to love, and there's something about you that I love about you. And so that whole thing of self-worth and self-value is so critical for young people. And it's also critical for 70-year-olds like me, but it's so important for young people. And that's the one thing I push and stress for people with disabilities. Well, that's that's inspirational. What did, what, tell us about our listeners. Our listeners are out there. They want to get more information about the AAPD. They want to learn more about the Epilepsy Foundation. Maybe some of our listeners actually have uh, some of those uh, debilitating uh, conditions. How do they reach the, the, your organizations? Do you have websites they can go to? Yes, we do. And I think that for, uh, you know, if anybody out there has a, a disability or has epilepsy, uh, we would love them to get in contact with us uh, for uh, for the disability uh, organization AAPD. Uh, they can go to aapd.com, and for epilepsy, they can go to epilepsyfoundation.org. That's uh, e p i l e p s y foundation.org, uh, and we'd be happy to get back in touch. Uh, particularly if uh, you have a disability or if you have epilepsy. Uh, reach out to us. Uh, that's what we're there for to help and and to provide some some guidance to you. And and if you're a young person, uh, don't keep it in. Uh, if you're a young person, come to us. Let us help you. Well, Tony, thanks. That's in- inspirational information. And uh, Cindy, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Um, I'm in Louisville. You can get a hold of me through the Ringler website, ringlerassociates.com, and type in my name, Cindy Chanley, <laughs> C-H-A-N-L-E-Y, or you can call at 502-569-9339. That's, that's terrific. How about you, Larry? How well, you, you know, all of our listeners can get all of the Ringler Associates on ringlerassociates.com. By the way, we've revamped that uh, website, Cindy, and it's much, much, uh, I think, much improved. And I think the uh, listeners out there who go there are going to find some great information. And uh, also, uh, if you want to listen to this show or any show that's on a Ringler radio, you can go to ringlerassociates.com, and there's a link there, or to uh, legaltalknetwork.com, where also you can listen, you can download, you can listen on your iPod. You know, Tony, people are going to be hearing your voice while they're jogging around the, 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 you know, the track one day. You know, Don't trip. <laughs> Don't trip. Well, Tony, I want to thank you again for your leadership on the, thank you, the, for the disabled. Thank you, thank, thank, you. You, thank you for coming here today. And, uh, Cindy, thank you again thank for you. Uh, being with us. And for our listeners out there, go have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. 
its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, celebrating its seventh year on Legal Talk Network with over a million listeners. Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today. We'll be right back.